Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Rob. We're a writing team from New Jersey with a passion for film. An aggressive, all-consuming passion. Well, whenever we see a news article we find, like, insane, uh, immediately it's... How can we make a movie out of this? Every episode we read a crazy article from different sources and tumble down our own rabbit hole. Discussing cast, crew, and plot. And then we hash out a pitch for a feature film. So, join us as we BS about movies and ask the important question... What do you got? What do you got? I guess we should just get on into it, shouldn't we? We really should. Hello, everybody. Welcome to What Do You Got? We hope you enjoyed the last episode and the one before that and the one before that, but not the one before that. We don't want you to enjoy that one. Yeah, fuck that Um, one. (laughs) uh, We're glad you guys could be here with us whenever it is you're here with us. It could be 2027. I don't know. But you know, yes, what? after a, a brief hiatus in which we uh, shut up and put our money where our mouth is and worked <laughs> on a short film, we did, we did, we uh, that will be releasing at some point. It's in the uh, post production phase right now, which uh, I directed and Rob gripped on. Um, I also <laughs> wrote and Rob helped storyboard the uh, create the story as well, um, and then of course. Actually, you know, we won't get too much into that. I just don't know how much of the people who the other people who are involved want to to share yet. So we won't get too far into that. But be on the lookout as once that comes out, we'll obviously we'll obviously share it on our Twitter and everything as well. Um, but other than that, we have a fun one for you. To, I, I, I like to think that all of our episodes are fun ones. Some of some of them are sad or scary, but I, I think all of them are fun. Yeah, so some of them are like, oh, those those kids died. Yeah, some of them exactly. are like, oh, those kids died. No one found that child rapist, or ooh, look at these wacky players. <laughs> but mm. um, but this one's more on the the fun side. Less less rape, more fun. The, this was a, like a really enjoyable read. It was, and it's short too. It's an interesting one. So the article today is from atlasobscura.com. Um, I believe, as most of the times. Uh, I've found articles. I believe I found this one on Reddit. I usually scour the TIL, which means today I learned subreddit and uh, people post some things there and then I you know, store them in my backlog for, for upcoming episodes. The title of this episode is The Early Spy Manual That Turned Bad Middle Management Into an Espionage Tactic. Uh, this article is written by Cara Gia, Giam, Giamo, Giaimo. I don't speak Italian. Could uh, you spell it? G-I-A-I-M-O. Gimo. Gimo, really? I think so. If it's Italian, I feel like it would be G-M-O, right? Gia? G-I-A-I-M-O? No, because like uh, there's, you know, Giacomo, which is spelled similar. That's true. All right. Well, Kara, if you're out there listening to this episode by any chance, let us know how you pronounce your last name. Um, So we're going to I might actually read most of this because there's some good quotes from the actual manual, which the manual is called Simple Sabotage Field Manual Strategic Services. Uh, And you can actually read the entire manual. It is linked at the very bottom of the article. Um, but we're just going to we're going to get into exactly what we're talking about today. So I'm just going to start reading a little bit of this article. And Rob, if you want to stop me at any point, just go ahead and, you know, you know, stop me. That's fine. Stop. <laughs> Somebody stop me. <laughs> All right. So when you think of the allied espionage, you might imagine disguised explosives, wiretaps, bat bombs, other dramatic inventions. But declassified documents reveal that World War II was won in part by more everyday saboteurs, purposefully clumsy factory workers, annoying train conductors, and bad middle managers, all trained by the U.S.'s simple sabotage field manual. So in 1944, World War II was in its final throes. Uh, Though the Allies were holding their own against the Axis, they were in need of more troops and more local cooperation. So the Office of Strategic Services, or the OSS, which was actually a precursor to the CIA, uh, envisioned a special kind of special forces, an army of dissatisfied European citizens waging war on existing governments simply by doing their jobs badly. So they wrote up the Simple Sabotage Field Manual, which is kind of like an ultimate untraining manual, which is full of ideas for motivating and inspiring locals to make things harder on their governments. 
So selections and adaptations from it were disseminated in leaflets, over the radio, in person, when agents met people who seemed right for the job. So basically, they would find people and then just go, all right, we have some great ideas for you to be bad at your job. And here are some of them. So there are innumerable <laughs> simple acts which the ordinary individual citizen saboteur can perform, the manual's introduction promised. Uh, it is possible to commit destruction with, quote, salt, nails, candles, pebbles, thread, or any other material that he might normally be expected to possess. Of course, everything was he back in the 40s. Women were not allowed to be saboteurs. That's that's ridiculous. Um Spoiler alert, in my film, they are. Uh, the potential of these materials is limited only by the saboteur's <laughs> imagination and circumstances. So you could jam a lock with a hairpin. You could drop a wrench into a fuse box. Uh, you could sand a surface that was supposed to be lubricated. As the manual explains, thinking bigger is better. Any military factory worker could easily slash an army truck's tires on their way to work. But it's even better to spill a bunch of hair into an assembly line cauldron, spoiling the rubber meant to outfit a whole fleet. Literally, now, now, I, I, I gotta, I gotta stop you there because <laughs> these all seem like sort of good and like you know really left field ideas, and like you can get away with them. But like if you get stopped by the Nazis and you've got a lot of hair, a lot of loose hair, how are you explaining this? <laughs> Well, here's the thing. I guarantee you the uh, the simple sabotage field manual did not take any responsibility had you been caught by the Axis forces. <laughs> yeah, surely the CIA will come save me. Yeah. Or the OSS in this case, since the CIA didn't exist. I'm yeah. sure they'll come to my defense. We have no idea who this person is. They just seem like they really suck at their job. So you should <laughs> probably just put them in a prison cell. <laughs> there was a simple, uh, sorry, a second type of simple sabotage the manual explains requiring no tools and pr uh, produces no physical damage so instead quote it is based on universal opportunities to make faulty decisions to adopt a non-cooperative attitude and to introduce others to follow suit so like all good maneuvers this tactic gets a fancy name quote the human element once again there's a simple sabotage for every occasion citizens should quote cry and sob hysterically at every occasion especially when confronted by government clerks which i'm just picturing a bunch of people in line at the dmv just throwing temper tantrums yeah just full-on <laughs> like into you know that that acting technique they tell you of like you know find find that moment in your life and go there and yeah. channel it and just like but i every dog that died but it, well that's the thing that's the funny thing i'm visualizing the snoopy cry you know, head up, mouth wide <laughs> open, agape. <laughs> Just everybody doing that. Train conductors can, quote, issue two tickets for the same seat in the train, which airports do every fucking day. Uh, so that's an interesting argument. So that an interesting argument will result. Most impressively, any audience member can ruin a propaganda film by bringing a bag of moths into the theater. Just take the bag to the movies with you. You leave it on the floor of an empty section of the theater. The moths will fly out, climb into the projector beam so that the film will be obscured by fluttering shadows. Who has a bag of moths at the ready? Yet once again, explain <laughs> your bag of moths to the SS Gendartenfuhrer who is standing in front of you with a wider rifle. Well, listen, the popcorn's too expensive, so I bought my own snack. It You're just so moths. happens to be a bag of moths. I hate it here in Belgium. <laughs> I don't like this city. <laughs> Middle managers especially can get in on the act. So I'm thinking Steve Carell as Michael Scott. Uh, those with white-collar jobs should pontificate, flip-flop, take every decision into committees, says a section on general interference with organizations and production. Bring up irrelevant issues as frequently as possible. Promote bad workers and complain about good ones. Haggle over precise wordings. Hold conferences when there is more critical work to be done. Hashtag, this could have been an email. <laughs> the CIA's manual, this, is a, uh, this part's actually a tweet. The CIA's manual for simple sabotage from 1944 sounds like the management training manual for some jobs I've had. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> to a reader entrenched in modern day bureaucracies, 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 this sounds a little like how things go, even when no trickery is planned. So, quote, some of the instructions remain surprisingly relevant as a reminder of how easily productivity and order can be undermined. A few businessmen recently wrote an, uh, sorry, an advice book based on the simple sabotage manual meant to help frustrate higher ups detect and reduce the impact 
of saboteur tactics. This is thoroughly con- uh, this is a thoroughly contemporary take, though. At the time, the OSS was careful to point out to saboteur recruiters that most people are not naturally prone to idiotic decisions. Quote, purposeful stupidity is contrary to human nature. Boy, I wish they lived in 2022. (laughs) Motivating the saboteur, your average recruit frequently needs information and suggestions, incentives, and the assurance that there are many saboteurs like him, sanding things that don't need to be sanded, holding meetings that don't need to be held, and bringing bags of moths to the movies. I just, I just need, I need to be heard. I need to know that there are others out there like me that carry their bags of moths to the movies. I don't want to be the only moth bag holder. <laughs> I, uh, it's starting. I'm starting to have like a panic attack over these fucking moths <laughs> because I, just, I need to know if someone did it. <laughs> it's just, it's an interesting fact. Like also the hair. Like you said, like why do you have a bag of hair? More importantly, where did you get a large bag of hair? I understand dropping a wrench in something or or sanding down something. Yeah. You can get sand. Are, are all you your children at home crying because you shaved <laughs> they're all their bald? <laughs> you just shaved all your kids' heads. It's the forties. We have seventeen. We shaved all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the whole manual is available for your perusal uh, within that link on the bottom of the page. Pages 8 through 11 have good instructions for setting almost anything on fire. Page 19 teaches you how to derail mine cars. And remember, if you are caught, quote, always be profuse in your apologies. <laughs> I am so sorry. I did not expect my bag of moths to get out take as much time as possible to apologize. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I just have some things I want to say. Uh, I am I am terribly Let me finish. sorry. Let me finish. <laughs> terribly sorry for the issues I've caused. Yeah. Uh, for for the ruining of the propaganda film for the other viewers. I hope they can appreciate my apology in the end. <laughs> it's it's almost like I can picture the the cover for this uh, poster for this movie, and it's basically like one of those for dummies books, but it's Inglorious Bastards for dummies. Yeah. So it's funny you mention that. I. I, I envision this similar ish, and we'll get into the pitches in a second. But I envision this similar to Nuked, you know, okay. which is still to this day probably one of our favorite pitches. Um, I, I, I had it. It feels to me like it could take place in the same universe. Whatever we end up pitching, my pitch, your pitch, whatever we come up with, it feels like it could be like kind of like a Kevin Smith view of universe. Or, you know, something mm-hmm. like that, where, like, all the movies take place in the same universe, but maybe not the same time, maybe not the same characters, maybe some of the same actors, but, you know, all different that way. Mm. Okay, I like that. So I gotta sneeze one sec, hold on. Okay, that's what we were, okay. <laughs> that was a sneeze? It was, I tried to cover it. That was an interesting noise. It sounded like you opened your closet and saw an animal you did not expect. <laughs> Like well, a raccoon. I can't, I, I can't wait to hear this back. Anyways. Um, <laughs> oh, God damn it. I'm cutting this out. No, I'm leaving it. People should know. Um, People so, always need to know. So uh, this, this manual is utterly fascinating, and I, I hope you, you went in a weird direction with it. Uh, so, Nick, what do you got? Okay, so my original title, as I was going off the idea that it was similar universe to Nuked, which is not the title I ended up on, but my original title was How to Survive War and Other Inconvenient Exposures. Mm -hmm. Um, Basically, my premise is that this film takes place in the 1950s uh, in in America, right after, not right after, but after World War II has ended, and as we start to kind of gear up into the beginnings of the Cold War. You know, I think the Cold War was probably at its height in the late 50s, mid 60s, you know, in that time frame. Um, so I'm th- I'm thinking like 55 or something like that. Uh, a family is opening an ice cream parlor because I wanted like that 50s aesthetic of like, you know, an old ice cream parlor with malts and, mm-hmm. you know, all that stuff. Hey, it's um, me, your friendly neighborhood soda jerk. Exactly. And Making it's a, a it's living a, wage, pouring you sodas. In a small town in like, I don't know, North Carolina or something like that. But for some reason, the American government catches wind of this and hears rumors that this family might be Russian operatives. So they might be spies for the Russian government. Uh, <laughs> spoiler alert, they are not. They have absolutely They're just nothing. Poles. They're just people who are trying to open up an ice cream shop. So the American government 
has the idea to infiltrate the ice cream shop with new employees who are actual military soldiers to try and sabotage the ice cream shop from the inside. So when we have the owner of the ice cream shop wondering why all of his workers are the worst people in the world and are constantly destroying things, he needs to figure out what to do about it. <laughs> um, so my, my director of choice is Mike Judge. Uh, and my cast uh, is one of the six people in total uh, of whom I've uh, put actors to. Uh, Sam Rockwell is going to be playing my American military, I, I don't know, uh, chief, whatever, lieutenant mm -hmm. or something that puts this team together, right? Uh, Paul Giamatti is going to be my ice cream parlor owner. Okay. He's the man with his family just looking to bring ice cream to the kids of this small town. <laughs> um, and then my group is rounded out by four younger American soldiers because they want to have like, you know, you know teenagers, mid 20s, 30s, you know, younger people hired at this uh, ice cream parlor. So my group is comprised of Zoe Deutsch, Simu Lee, Noah Sagan, and Selena Gomez. Oh my. So the, the four of them are going undercover in this ice cream parlor to figure out what kind of Russian involvement this ice cream parlor has. So when they are there undercover, like what exactly are they doing? Are they just information gathering? Or I like, would say is... that they are information gathering and at the same time sabotaging machinery. So whatever ice cream machines they have, hashtag listen to our McDonald's episode, um, <laughs> whatever ice cream machines they have, they're trying to like they're tinkering with them, not just to sabotage them, but to try and figure out if there's any tracking devices or microphones or recording equipment or anything like that. Uh, and they're so just got all this new ice cream technology and they're immediately suspicious. Yep. Exactly. And you've got Paul Giamatti just trying to run this small business to put food on the table for his family. And he's having trouble doing it because the employees he hired are so utterly incompetent <laughs> that he doesn't know what to do about it. To the point where I think I'd like to have one of them fired and still try to find a way to get into the place to help sabotage as they're working there. So it's basically just the American government just pounding this poor man into the ground until he admits he's a Soviet spy when he is not. <laughs> uh, and the title of my movie is just homemade. Um, but the tagline of my movie is, I can't believe it's not sabotage. <laughs> so wait, we're, we're just basically going to dentist the menace and innocent man until he <laughs> confesses to treason. Yes. <laughs> That's my, Jesus. That's, that's that's my whole pitch. They're just gonna berate poor Paul Giamatti until he until he leaves his dream of gaslighting and psyoping this poor immigrant man. <laughs> Which I'm gonna have him be like, I don't know, I don't know if I want him Irish. He's obviously what is Paul Giamatti actually? He's a lot of things, right? He's Italian, I guess. He's Italian, obviously, but like I think he's Irish too. I want him to be Polish. I want him to play a Polish man who's just he. You know, they just moved here. It's after World War II. Like their family was devastated in Poland, and they're just they're trying to start a new man. They're just trying we're gonna to ruin his life, new. and we're gonna destroy this poor immigrant's life for no reason whatsoever <laughs> like at the same level as a big fat liar exactly exactly but he doesn't deserve it in this one <laughs> i think he deserves it in that one right i've never seen that movie oh actually. he absolutely does deserve okay it yeah he's one. like a, he's like a bad movie producer who steals their script or something is that uh yeah he steals about? a script from frankie uh, muniz frankie muniz and uh, amanda Bynes. yeah she gets involved and then they die in the pool yeah, and then he turns blue or something like that. I remember that. I never saw that, though. Orange. <laughs> so that is my pitch. Rob, I would love to know, what do you got? <laughs> okay, so... I love when you giggle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my movie is called Means of Production. <laughs> good. That's a good one. Thank you. Thank you. I stole it from the communists. Um... <laughs> <laughs> They'd be okay with that. It's a share. So, like, you know, pretty much everyone at this point, I've been watching Severance lately. Hell yes. Um, and I, I've always liked really just out there 
stories about working in an office uh, and how it's become an entirely different world in the modern sense, uh, in this very, like, you know, Brazil, uh, Terry Gilliam, the Terry Gilliam film, yeah. yeah, no, the country, it's like Brazil, it's um, like the country of Brazil, it's just like that. There's a lot of cows and, and a beach. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I wanted to do, uh, you know, Severance is obviously pretty heavy material. Um, yes. so I wanted to do something a little more sort of screwball, uh, office comedy. Good. Um, but I did want to use Ben Stiller as a director just because he does fit well with comedies as well. Absolutely. Didn't do, I think I just used him because of severance. Didn't I two Uh, pitches or so ago? uh, Yeah. It sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah. For those of you that have not watched severance, we're not going to, we're not going to spoil any of it because it's still new. Um, Highly recommend one of the best shows on television. uh, Just to, to briefly give you the sort of elevator pitch of it. It's, you know, what if someone told you, there was a procedure you could undergo that would make it so that your memories from work are completely separate from your memories outside of work. Mm-hmm. Um, and thus, you know, you're kind of two different people. It's very interesting. Yeah, I used uh, I used Stiller in my pitch for episode 48, actually. Uh-huh. All right. So what else uh, do, where is my cast? Uh, so in, in terms of um, what I wanted the movie to be, um, it's, I, I didn't want to do like sabotage on the scale they were talking about in this, mm-hmm. in this, uh, training manual, but I thought, um, sort of corporate espionage could be fun. Okay. So what I did here is our, our two of my, my three leads are new hires at this company. Uh, it's a major company, uh, and they're going to be, uh, Janelle Monet oh, and nice. okay. Dacre Montgomery. Nice. Yes. Uh, we just, Nick by the is, way, Nick we is watching just Stranger Things. Yeah. We just, yeah, we just finished season three. So I, uh, I saw Billy's arc. You know, I, the sad thing about that, I'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent real quick. The sad thing about that is that I felt similar to Jeremy Renner in the first Avengers movie. I felt Dacre was a little underutilized. He's such a good talent. He's so good, but they, they did better than Hawkeye, obviously, in the Avengers with season three of him being kind of like, you know, whatever, under the influence of the mind flare. But I still felt like he was just underutilized because he was under that guise the entire season, basically. Yeah. You know, now you're playing someone playing someone and you don't get to do yeah, exactly. you know, more development with the actual character. Um, yeah. But it was a pretty cool part. I was actually going to cast Joe Keery in mine, but I was like, uh, it's another period piece at an ice cream shop. I don't know if I want Joe Keery to have to do that again. <laughs> Put him in that same stupid sailor uniform. <laughs> um, so with the two of them, uh, they're new hires at this company um, who absolutely hate their boss, Robert De Niro. <laughs> and they are basically, they were hired by another firm to steal secrets and sabotage uh, as much possible that they can in this office okay. <clears throat> in an adjoining production facility. Um, but they find themselves stymied at every turn by how utterly incompetent of a manager Robert De Niro is. <laughs> in He's utterly so incompetent in the assignments they get and the policy changes he makes and the scheduling and all these different things. What, what kind of business difficult. is it again? I haven't decided what kind of business it is. Okay. Just a very sort of faceless corporate mega giant. Okay. Okay. So it's a huge company. It's not. Yeah. It's not a small. Okay. And he's such like a a living embodiment of the Peter principle that it, it becomes too much for them at work to actually sabotage anything uh, because he's putting them so behind. Um, and so he's sort of doing it himself. Yes. Exactly. And throughout <laughs> the movie, they're. You know, we're following them as they're A, trying to, you know, heist some secrets from this office. Uh, B, screw up the means of production. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) They said that thing. Including a literal reference to the origin of the word sabotage in which they throw a shoe into the machines. (laughs) Um, And uh, and, uh, so they're trying to get the secrets. They're trying to screw up production. Uh, But it's just not happening. So uh, by the end of the film in this madcap like us versus him thing it does emerge that the other company that sent them to do this is so equally incompetent that they had also hired robert de niro as a mole oh and they just didn't even realize it 
Yes, and so these two people are approaching the act of sabotage so utterly uh, differently that they're canceling each other out. Which means nothing is actually getting sabotaged. (laughs) It means the company is running around, is running uh, as per normal. It's, yeah, yeah. It's basically a chicken with its head cut off. It's still Uh going. (laughs) Yeah, like, it's, it's, it's basically, like, from anyone else's perspective, like, in spite of our, you know, do nothing idiot boss... And these two goobers, uh, you know, the rest of us are picking up the slack. Uh, is your movie takes place present day? Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, what was it? What was the title again? Uh, Means, Means of, of production. production. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you only had those three, Janelle Monet, Dacre, and uh, Robert De Niro? Yep. Okay. Um, I love it. Let's see how we can put this together. So I, I don't know why. I love the idea of it being... Uh, taking place during the cold war just because i feel like that's a great time for this type of sabotage oh yeah it's it's perfectly fine so we can set it when did the cold war actually have you seen have you seen tinker taylor soldier spy no i haven't actually i've always meant to it's it's i'm always wondering like it's a very heavy spy film and very realistic as to what intelligence work is actually like it's not james bond it's right 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 you know middle-aged men in suits doing desk work yeah um, and paperwork uh, yeah. you know it's got that like you know heavy oppressive aura of the cold war and suspicion and you know betrayal and moles and stuff yeah. so i'm like i almost wonder if with either of these two settings using um using that sort of vibe but having it be something really fucking stupid would be in and of <laughs> itself pretty funny okay so like like a Tinker Tailor vibe in an ice cream shop would be absolutely ridiculous. So you you're saying the film would take itself super seriously, but the obviously the the stakes or whatever. Yeah, are the ridiculous. stakes are uh, just this company or this ice cream shop. And it's like, why do we care this much? <laughs> like, you know, those are the two ways I'm thinking about it. It's either that very sort of like on the nose the audience is in on the joke, but no one else is. Yeah. Or the other way to go would be very like nine to five. Okay. Uh, if you've seen that, I have not, uh, it's, uh, you know, all these ladies who, who get passed over at work by a misogynist boss. It's Jane Fonda, Lily Tomlin, Dolly oh, Parton. It was a, yeah. it was a show too, wasn't it? It was a nine to five. Show. I um, think so. I know there was a musical. That's what I meant. Yeah. 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 Not TV show, TV I meant musical. Show? Oh, no, no, it was both. Okay. Yeah, I don't think we would have seen it. No. Because uh, no. it was in the 80s, but... <laughs> Little bit before our time. Very, very slightly. Um, okay, so the Cold War ended in 91, the very end of 91. I think we put this at the very end so that it makes more sense that they're like, it's super serious, but the Cold War is already dwindling down. There's absolutely no Oh, reason. is that the denouement that we are, you know, this is successful, but then, you know, but there's the no point Because it's exactly, it's already... The, the Soviet Union is already falling. There's no reason we needed to do any of this. So what if we do something like, like, let's, let's connect our businesses, right? Mine's an ice cream parlor. Yours is a mega conglomerate. What if we have our people instead of working for the, like the business itself, what if they work in the cafeteria of the building? Hmm. Like okay. the building is obviously like, you know, like Google, like they have their own cafeteria and stuff. Yeah, so the people yeah. actually work there. And this is a, a business we suspect maybe of like laundering black money for the Russian spy operation in America. Exactly. And what better place to spy on conversations than as a cafeteria worker when people are eating their lunch? Yeah, you know? there are late hours and stuff, so you can yep. hear you're drinking through files. Yep, drinking their coffee out of them styrofoam cups and... Yep. Just, you know, collecting things off the table as they openly discuss these things, because one, this company is obviously not great. And two, it's super high security clearance. So anyone that works there yeah. obviously knows what they're discussing. There's no need to be secretive about it. I love that. And I think <laughs> that we should go with Paul Giamatti as kind of the guy you were thinking. I think he should be the head of human resources. God, the head of HR. Yep. And he's oh, constantly geez. like putting through these initiatives and like. You know, today we're going to do a team building exercise. Hey, guys, going to need you to change up that protocol and all these kinds of things that are constantly getting in their way and everyone else's way. 
Yeah. But it just <laughs> yeah. seems like he's a very involved, like overly sensitive HR guy. And now is he similar to your De Niro character where he was also recruited for this espionage thing? Uh, yeah, I think that's a good twist to it. Yeah, but yeah, definitely a twist. Like that has to come third act. Yo, yeah, yeah, for we sure. we finally discover that he was actually a part of it the whole time and they just did not communicate. Mm-hmm. So we can use Paul. The American Intelligence Service is just as incompetent. (laughs) Exactly. What if we use there? There should be one of them. I'm feeling Dacre. One of them is like, I mean, I guess the idea that we're going with the the Tinker Tailor Soldier spy aspect is they all take it quite seriously, right? Oh yes, yes. So they all take it quite seriously. Damn it! But what if only one of them is actually really good at it, which is Dacre? Like he's (laughs) he's kind of like the up-and-coming all-star of the CIA or whatever, you know? Oh, yeah. And we can have more than two people in the cafeteria. Like, we can use your expanded cast. For sure, for sure. So we put, let's say we put Dacre and uh, and Zoe Deutsch in the cafeteria. Yes, yes. So Dacre, Zoe Deutsch. Uh, which, by the way, if you haven't watched, the movie's not out yet. It comes out in, like, six days. Um <laughs> which by the time this is launched, who knows? Uh, it comes out on the 29th. But there's a new movie called... Uh, oh, no. What is it called? That's not the title of it. Uh, with Zoe Deutsch and Dylan O'Brien that is uh, that is coming out in the next couple of days on Hulu, which looks mm-hmm. really fascinating. It's called Not Okay. Um, basically, she, mm. plays, she plays a girl who wants to be a writer. She kind of starts faking her Instagram, her, her social media accounts. She says okay. she's going to Paris, and she starts putting all these you know, fake Instagram Paris accounts together, Photoshop and all that stuff. But then a terrorist attack happens in Paris, and now she has to pretend to come home from the terrorist attack like she got away with her life. Oh, it, my God. It looks really cool. It looks really good. Uh, that it almost reminds me of those people who pretended they were at 9-11. I think, yeah. So this this type of stuff has happened before, right? Where people kind of like pretend for the clout that they were involved in something. It's it's, it's oh, kind of yeah. like that one episode of Rescue Me where I feel like we've talked about this on the podcast. The one episode of Rescue Me where the one character goes to a uh, like a PTSD uh, anonymous. What, right. It's it's uh, it's Lou. Yeah, yeah. And who he was goes at, to who was at the towers as a firefighter. Exactly. And everyone else there was like, no, I just I just remember the day I wasn't there. And he like freaks out because he's he was like, yeah. I was there. I was uh, I was across the river in New Jersey. I saw the smoke. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Pansies. Yeah, yeah. Such a powerful scene. Um yeah. but the the movie looks really fascinating, so so not okay. Check it out when it comes out. It's coming not out on okay. Hulu. So there are a bunch of movies coming out very shortly that have like very weird short titles like that, like not okay or nope. The yeah, the other thing that I really like about kind of the proje- the trajectory we're going. Don't get me wrong, Rob and I are big film fans. We love going to the theater. We love movie experiences. But the big thing I love more is trailers coming out only like a couple weeks before the film. Don't yeah. give me a trailer a year before when I'm gonna completely forget what that movie was a year ago and now not have any interest in seeing it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so hard for me to maintain like that, oh, I gotta file this as see it soon. Yep, yep, That exactly. doesn't work when I get a teaser trailer eight months before a movie. Yeah, the amount of, tra- when did the first teaser trailer for the Batman come out? Two and a half years before the film released? Like, uh, Yeah, I remember him turning towards the camera and there's that very red light. and dun, yeah. dun, It was dun, at the beginning dun. of COVID. Like, it was yeah. that long ago. And I'm like, all right, I, I'm so glad I saw the bat suit, but guys, I can't maintain <laughs> hype for this long. Exactly, right? Yeah. So I love trailers coming out like this movie comes out next week. Awesome. Perfect. I'll go see it because yeah. now it's it's in my mind and I'll remember it. <laughs> and by, by the way, I, I, I just brought up Nope. I don't know if you saw this, but I, I and I hope everyone else saw this interaction as well. Uh there's this guy, uh, he's a comic artist named Adam Ellis. Okay. And he was tweeting, uh, he put up like a picture of the uh, the review scores for Jordan Peele's three movies, uh, yeah. you know, Get Out, Us, uh, and now nope. nope. Nope is getting really good reviews. Yeah, I and think they're like, hailing it as best yet, right? Yeah. And he's like, can we, just, uh, can we just go ahead and say, I mean, look at this, he's three for three. Can we go ahead and say Jordan Peele is the best horror director? Mm-hmm. And Jordan Peele responded to that thread 
And his first tweet was, sir, please put down your phone. <laughs> and his, his second tweet was like, I will not stand for this John Carpenter slander. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. I'm like, all right, I really love that attitude about it. <laughs> the thing that I love about Jordan is that each of his movies have a Twilight Zone-esque appeal to it, obviously, as he created the new reboot. But all of them also, they they also stem from different genres, right? Get yes. Out was Get Out was psychological horror. Us was more, I don't know, science, not science fiction, but Us was I mean, more. I mean, a, it definitely, they've all had science fiction elements. but Of course, yeah, yeah. But, but I they think, all have um, different subgenres of horror, which I love. Yeah, Us was more the... I've always called it the other genre, which is this fear of like an unexplainable unknown. Yeah, that's that's good. I like that. Similar to how like uh, the trilogy podcast guys come up with their types of trilogies, you know, yeah. the epic and things like that that we talked about with Scott and Vin. Yeah, like um, the other is is what it, when I refer to things like us or say the monsters are are due on Maple, due on Street. Maple Street. Yep, like you know that fear of the other, mm-hmm. uh, which may in fact be. a us <laughs> is, is its own kind of genre in that and fashion. apparently apparently nope is a little bit more a little bit more funny like it's not as much a horror as is it, as it is just kind of a straight up alien film or something yeah yeah um so i'm very excited to see it i, I wanted to go see it this weekend i don't know if that's gonna happen hopefully it does but we'll see <laughs> um all right so let's let's get back to this a little bit so we have dacre and we have zoe in the cafeteria yes they're the new they're the new uh, cafeteria members. Let's buy Janelle Monet. What should she be? Yeah, I think we should have two teams of people in two different yeah, departments. I agree with that. Who are aware of each other, but are not aware of the issue in HR. Uh, correct. Yeah, yeah. So that yeah. So maybe only one of them has a connection to Paul Giamatti's character. Yes, yes. I'm looking. I know Janelle Monet. I know all of her movies. I don't think I've ever actually seen her in a film. Um, have you seen Moonlight? No, I haven't. Oh, uh, Hidden Figures? Nope. Oh, wow. Hmm. Yeah, I don't Those think I've ever actually roles. seen her in a movie. I want to see what Moonlight. else she's been in. I think Antebellum is supposed to be really good, too. That I didn't see. Gosh, what yeah. else has she been in? Uh, Moonlight, Hidden Figures, Antebellum, um, new TV series, funny enough, called Human Resources. Wow, oh, it's, a, it's an animated show on Netflix. Hmm. Um, oh, yeah, I think that's from the people of um, Big Mouth. Is that what it's called? Oh, is it? Yeah, I think so. At least the animation looks very similar, so I would think, <laughs> but I'm not positive. Yeah, I mean, she hasn't been in a lot of movies, but, you know, Hidden Figures and Moonlight, I think were the same year. That's a hell of yeah. a one-two combo for Oscar bait. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, oh, she's going to yeah. be in the next uh, Knives Out movie. Oh, is she? Nice. Yeah, dope. Yeah, do we know when that comes out, actually? Is that a is that, is that a release date or no? Well, it's it's Netflix, so they're a bit cagey on that stuff. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, this one is going straight to Netflix. Just like the Munsters movie, actually. I was surprised Yeesh. to see that. Well... We don't have time to talk about the monsters. Oh, we have time to talk about the monsters. I want to know your thoughts on it. <laughs> it's our I podcast. Just, we can talk about whatever we don't, want. Don't don't bring me down for the rest of this episode. <laughs> I just I can't. I'm uh, excited for it. I think it's going to be cool. All right. Last thing before we get back to doing this movie. <laughs> so, like, I grew up watching the monsters with my dad. Yep, me too. Um, and so I, I wound up being more of a monsters kid than an Adams Family kid. I think that's, I, I was that's as well. Yeah. Can draw. Uh, and I, I really, really loved that show. I thought it was really funny. Yeah, uh, when I heard when I heard that Rob Zombie was that big of a fan of the Monsters, and that he was going to be doing that movie, I was like, "That's great! That's the kind of person who should do a Monsters mm-hmm. movie." Is mm-hmm. someone who has that same appreciation that right. I did for it. That trailer is one of the worst pieces of media I've ever seen in my life. Here's the reason I'm going to agree with you but for wholly different reasons. I think it's supposed to be. Because Matt also said that the audio sounded really off in the trailer. 
it sounds like all the audio of them speaking in that trailer was recorded in the camera microphone. Yes. And here's the thing. For some reason, I think it's supposed to be. I think it's going to be way more satire than people are expecting. I think that as a prequel concept, first of all, all the three of them look fantastic. And I'm actually, oh, yes. yeah. I, I'm a fan of Sherry Moon Zombie. I, I really like her, actually. I think she's really good. Um, everyone looks fantastic. Am I sold on kind of the Technicolor neons of the 70s? Eh, not really. Wish it was in black and white. But, yeah, me too. But I, I have not high hopes. Not high hopes at all. But I have hopes for the film. And since Rob Zombie is such a fan... And when he's a fan of something, he does well. I, I will be the first to say, I think the Halloween remake was a very good remake. Halloween 2, on the other hand, was an utter piece of trash. Yeah. Don't know how that happened. But the first Halloween movie he did, while it went further into Michael's, uh, you know, Michael's childhood and everything, and there was stuff we, we probably didn't need, but I thought it was a good Halloween movie. So yeah. I think that as someone who's very passionate about the series of the monsters as he is, I think he's hopefully going to do it justice and hope I don't hope I don't, you know, eat my words. We'll see. But we'll I, see. I have hopes. I just I don't. I don't know, man. It it literally <laughs> depressed me. <laughs> it depressed me. Like I, 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 I came out of watching that trailer. Like I stepped out of my bedroom and I went, I went in the bathroom and I looked in the mirror and I had this like Macbeth delivering the tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow soliloquy of yeah. like, so, I have lost everything. Right. So, so here's the thing, right? With a lot of upcoming stuff, a lot of things that are being rebooted or just remakes or things, things from our childhood, things from the sixties, things that are coming back. I keep my expectations as low as possible. Right. I don't know what to expect from the Monsters movie. I don't know what to expect from this Dungeons and Dragons movie. It looks cool. I think well, it could yeah, be they, great. they've sold me so far. Yeah, they've sold me so far. I think it looks great, but I don't know. And we're not going to. I honestly, when I first watched the trailer for the Dungeons and Dragons movie yesterday, I thought they were going to go the Jumanji route where we would cut to seeing them as nerds playing the tabletop. Um, and I'm we wondering might. if they're going to do something like that for an end credit scene or something. But yeah. Who knows? Uh, the issue of promoting a film is is very difficult. It's its own art form, mm -hmm. in addition to filmmaking. But I can I have not in any sense been sold on the monsters movie. I get it. We'll see what happens. I think it comes out soon-ish, right? You know September, what I am I sold on? This movie about the Cold War. Oh, sell me a little <laughs> bit more on it, Rob. <laughs> um. So we were deciding. You know, we had our two in the cafeteria. Um. I think we have two more. What okay? So our we know our objective objective is sabotaging the company and getting information to to pin Russian intelligence on them. So are we going the route that they are actually Russian spies, or are we going my route where we they actually never have find nothing? out? We never find out. Okay, I like that. I yeah. like that because then it's not one or the other. Because they're not good at this. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I except think, Dacre, like, but maybe Dacre dies. Oh, 100%, or some kind of frying oil accident. Yeah, 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 some type of horrible factory incident that he's sneaking around one of the warehouses or whatever and just mm. gets crushed by a pallet of something. You know what it should be, in reference to one of our favorites, is uh, he is killed by a malfunctioning ice cream machine. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Sorry, Dacre. Save it don't worry he will he will sell that death scene yep <laughs> man dude as much as i i don't think i love billy in any way as a character obviously billy's a horrible character but man does he steal the scene every time he's on screen oh yeah do yourself every a favor time. and watch his audition i i did i did Whew. it's he's he's amazing i i can't wait for more from him i hope he hope he has some upcoming stuff because i know he yep. was in that elvis movie but it's really the only other thing. Digger was in the Elvis movie? Yeah, he plays... Um, uh, I don't remember um, seeing him. No. I haven't watched it, but unless I he did. got cut. Uh, no, he's in Elvis as Steve Binder. Steve Binder. I don't really know who that is. Okay. Like, uh, man, Elvis... See, okay, so Elvis is like a favorite dream. Well, like, it's a big... Ever... So he, 
I'm not a Baz Luhrmann fan for that reason. I don't mm-hmm. really care for his fever dream style of directing and 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 his like stylistic approach. I don't think it's bad. I think he's great at what he does, but it's just not my cup of tea, you know? Yeah. Um. So I'll see it, but it's not something I'm like, oh, baby, I absolutely Elvis have Elvis is like if you've ever taken Ambien and tried not to go to sleep. <laughs> you mean like Sean William Scott in Role Models? <laughs> you know what? Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I can't begin to describe to you like, like the fat Tom Hanks yeah. in a hospital gown loose in a casino like some kind of fucking raccoon i I think everyone needs to see it i don't know if it's good but everyone needs to see it that's how i felt about ambulance i want other people to see it because i need someone to talk to about that movie i don't understand what i want that and the guilty i told you about the other night with joe hall as well the guilty the guilty i think is a good movie ambulance i i don't know why are you putting so much emphasis on Lance? Uh, because they have the L.A. Uh, in red as if Los Angeles. So it's Ambulance for me. Jesus Christ. Similar to Fantforstic. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's 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 digress back yeah, once more me. as we finish this film. Yeah. So I think our big objective is they got to get to accounting to get the files they think they need to prove this is all a Russian front. Okay. Because it's okay. always it always comes down to the money. To get to to get to accounting, you have to pass HR. Mm-hmm. And they never can. Because he's they just, always got what do you mean something. they can't physically get past the room? No, he it, because Paul Giamatti always has something. What do you mean something? That he brings up when they try to get by. Oh, like he's coming to them like I need you to work on this project? Yep, or we're having a meeting, we're having a party. Hey, we're going over changes to this. We're going over changes for that. Can Mm. I pull you aside for five minutes to get your feedback on how things are going in the cafeteria? I'm going to need you to come in on Saturday. (laughs) So by the end of this, Paul Giamatti has very successfully, like, ground the wheels of this company to to a halt, like an energy vampire. (laughs) Energy. So the whole time... He thinks that they are bringing the information to Russia. So that's why he's constantly stopping them. But what he's trying to, what they're trying to do is bring the information to accounting because they're trying to stop Russia and they can't do it because he's stopping them thinking they are the Russian spies. So that, yeah. So he's very successful in that regard. And really the core, I just figured it out the core of why this is happening and why nothing gets done is that their CIA And Paul Giamatti is FBI. Ah, I was just going to say they're opposing forces. Because those two institutions do not cooperate in the slightest. Not at all. All right. Means of production. We're going to go with for the title. Oh, cool. Director Ben Stiller or Mike Judge for this? Judge. Judge. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, We got Dacre. We got Zoe. We've got Janelle. And let's say Janelle and I don't know, Selena. Yeah, that'd be fun. Um, I do want to bring in Simu because I just, I really like him and I want to see more. I want to watch Kim's Convenience too. Um, But I'm trying to think, we split it up. I had Simu Lee and I also had Noah Sagan. Uh, But that's two more people, which means we would technically have three groups of twos. So we could do, I guess, Cafeteria. Um, And then we could use... Cafeteria, Production Floor... Production floor can be like Simu and Janelle. Mm-hmm. And then uh, marketing. And then Noah Sagan and Selena are in marketing. Perfect. Yep. Awesome. Um, and Paul Giamatti, of course. And Paul Giamatti. Yeah, Paul Giamatti is our head of HR. The worst. Brilliant. <laughs> just the worst. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, awesome. I think we have, st- I, I think we have staggered, but I think we have found a film. Yeah, we're very easy to distract. Very easy. But here's the thing. On the podcast, I'm fine getting distracted as long as we're talking about movie and TV, right? If we start talking about something else, that's a little weird. But we're on theme. We're on brand. So so it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) If if you're listening to any of our our episodes out there and you you have harsh opinions, whether for the positive or the negative, on on our opinions of those films we discussed or TV shows or Severance, if you've watched Severance, let us know. 
Love to know what your thoughts are on that show. Just tweeted us things from Severance. Yeah, honestly, I I truly do believe it is. It might be the best show currently on TV Um, or on streaming, I should say. I do still have to watch the final episode, actually. Are you serious? Mm hmm. Dude, the final episode was fantastic. I mean, every episode's fantastic, but they do a great job with the finale. Mm, can't wait. Um, definitely watch it. You also need to finish Reacher because I'm guessing you haven't watched episode six because you didn't text me right after. That's true. I still have to finish Reacher. <laughs> I'm sorry. A lot of things dropped at once. It's true. It's true. They did. But episode six of Reacher, please make sure you text me right after. But I'm done with Star Trek. I'm done with Stranger Things. I'm done Which with Star Trek are things. you watching? New, uh, New Strange World? New World. Is it is it good? It's the best Star Trek since the middle nineties. I've I've heard. So I I wanted to watch uh, Discovery because that's the one with uh, Pike, right? Uh, no, Strange New Worlds is the one with Pike. He debuts no, on Discovery. Oh, he did. Uh, oh, but he's not the he's not the lead on Discovery. No, he de- he comes in. I think uh, season two of Discovery. Um, Do I need to watch Discovery to watch Strange New Worlds? No, actually, the only thing you need to know from Discovery about Strange New Worlds is that Christopher Pike, um, because of um, sort of a, a time travel and a prophecy thing that happens in Discovery, becomes aware of what's going to happen to him. Hmm, okay. Uh, in terms of, you know, he's in, he winds up in that wheelchair, horribly burned. And he can gotcha. Only, you know, okay, so from the OG, they do that. Yeah. Um, so he becomes aware that that's going to happen. Hmm. Um, and he actually locks himself into that future um by by what happens in discovery he essentially makes the choice that that will happen uh in order to save the world in discovery and because he knows that by doing that in the future he'll save the lives of a bunch of cadets nice um, was discovery see. good though discovery is good it's 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 diff- it's a different kind of show okay. like it's uh strange new worlds is episodic okay like it's kind of a different adventure every episode whereas discovery is like longer plot arcs I might, I might just jump into Stranger Worlds. I have trouble doing that with anything, TV shows, books, movies, whatever, if I haven't mm-hmm. seen like the original source material or whatever. But I might, I might try it with that. I might try to, yeah. to give to it a shot. Push past it. Give it a shot. It's my favorite Star Trek since Deep Space Nine. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. Um, awesome. Well, we hope you guys like movies and TV because we do. And it's, it's fun to talk about. We'd love to talk about it with you. If you got any good stuff out there that maybe we haven't seen, let us know. Um, other than that, we we plugged a little bit of the short film uh, at the very beginning. But again, nothing on that yet. Uh, we'll wait until we have something for it uh, when it's out or whatever. And obviously, we'll link that Hell up along, yeah. with, along with everyone else we worked with on it. Uh, other than that, nothing else currently coming up. This is going to be episode, what, 54? three we have a little bit of ways to go before we get to 60 when we have our next guest star which we do know who that's going to be but we will not announce until a little bit later um spoilers (laughs) other than that though i think i think we're good i think we have a i think we have a film we do indeed have a major motion picture and a lot of a lot of tangents a lot of tangential conversation (laughs) that's the best part (laughs) Uh, we All had right. a great time, guys. We hope you had a great time listening. Till the next episode, I've been Rob. I've been Nick. And that's what we got. Ba-doom, doom, doo, doo. What Do You Got is recorded live at the Cape Swoosh Studios in Bloomfield, New Jersey. Our theme song was written and performed by Trevor Campbell. Additional music is provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. And our wonderful logo was designed by Gabby Vice. You can find her on Twitter at, at Gabby Vice. 